Good morning, everybody. As Troy said, my name is Pete. And um, so, yeah, I get to serve our, our body here in, uh, in a number of different ways, one of which, as Troy mentioned, uh, family life. And so I get to serve our, our, our leaders and our staff and, and families and those of you who are married and all sorts of stuff, just a lot of relationships, uh, groups, et cetera. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, and it's a great opportunity, and I, I so am honored for the chance to get to do that here at our church. And uh, man, uh, I, I, you know, I, I come up here, and um, you know, I think that there's. I was telling the last service, and I was telling uh, our staff uh, that you know Bobby showed up, and for a few months afterwards, for a lot of time afterwards, there was always just one point. Uh, that would get me in the service. And I'd start, you know, I'd start getting emotional and um, shedding one tear, actually shedding lots of tears, you know, because I'm kind of the weepy guy. I'm the weepy pastor. You got the, the one who plays with authority, the one who speaks with authority, and you got the one who weeps with authority. So, <clears throat> uh, but it's that one song where we holy, 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 and the drums start pounding it out. And I think, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. First service I sat by Sherry, I said, honey, I can't wait to get there. Don't go yet, she says, but, you know, uh, I can't wait to get there because what that means is I get to see Jesus face-to-face. I get to see um, a lot of friends and family face-to-face, and I I get to um, be in eternal community with so many of you, and uh, so it's it's a great uh, day to be able to talk about community, and that's what I'm going to do today. So we're in the middle of this, this series here called The Long View, as you see on the screens. The Long View. And the definition of the long view, as Troy had given us a few weeks ago, is to think about the effects that something will have on the future instead of the present. In effect, to say, I see I want to be here 365 days from now, I want to be somewhere different, be someone different. So what can I do today? What small steps can I take today to get there? And uh, so he gave us some questions to talk about that consider what is the destination for you as a Christian? Again, forward thinking. What do you want changed? How do you grow? What does God say our goal is, right? So these forward-facing movement questions. And he gave us Proverbs 21.5 says this, and this is actually out of the New Living Translation, because I thought for today as we talk about uh, being one and being together and this idea of community, that this to me spoke, uh, I love the translation, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. It's an idea that, man, relationships are hard, aren't they? They take a lot of hard work, and you can't take these shortcuts and expect to get somewhere in community. You can't take shortcuts in your relationship with Jesus, Jesus and expect to be different tomorrow as you were today, different from uh, uh, today uh, and tomorrow. So Proverbs 21.5. So what I want to do is just kind of kick off in, uh, in prayer, but in family life, here's how we do it. We hold hands, okay? So uh, just because it's a, to me, it's a symbol of being together. We're holding hands. And if you don't know the people next to you, or if they have a cold, maybe do a pinky, I don't know. <laughs> whatever you want to do, whatever you feel comfortable. Um, but really, uh, grab a hand next to you, and I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you so much 
for community. Thanks for the people who are on the left and the right of us and behind us and before us. And thank you that you've assembled this this motley crew and ragtag crazy bunch of people here to, to explore what it means to have a relationship with you, to be together, to form relationships, to, to struggle day in and out, to celebrate day in and day out. And so, Father, I thank you for my friends here. I thank you for my family and for the friends who, who are becoming family. And, Father, I pray that this morning that you might move me out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would definitely be here in this place and it would speak through me. And I, I pray, Father, that you would open ears uh, in this place. I pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. You can keep holding hands if you'd like. <laughs> so what does community look like uh, when people belong to one another? That's the question that I want to pose today as is, is we kind of kick off this idea of community. But what does it mean, what, what does it look like when people belong, when we're together, this idea of, of being with one another? Because, you know, we encourage you in our, in our church here, we encourage you to be a part of uh, community groups, uh, learn groups, uh, man, do life together, be in relationship with one another. But what does it look like and what's the end result? So it's, it's really my hope that we explore that today and that you might say, you know what, I'm going to jump, I'm going to do something about that and I'm going to step into a group. That's my hope and prayer for you today uh, at the end of our time with one another. So speaking of ends, let's start with the end of, of a journey. And let's consider the goodbye. Let's consider the farewell of, of a journey. And, and so, you know, as you sit there, why don't you think about some of the goodbyes that you've been a part of? Because we've all been a part of a lot of goodbyes, right? And some have been um, broken meaning it wasn't a pleasant goodbye, it was, there was relational, uh, it wasn't this, it was, it was this, and there's that discord that you have experienced. Some, however, were beautiful, and were just these pictures, even though there was pain involved in the, in the, the parting, there was this beautiful picture of, oh, I was able to have a relationship with this group with this person, whatever that, whatever that group is or person is, I was able to be in relationship, and I am different, and I am changed. There's this idea of it's beautiful amidst the pain. And so just as I was thinking about this, I thought I'd just share some of my goodbyes. Um, one of my most favorite types of goodbye uh, in our family, and it's a tradition in our family, is this thing that I just, I don't know if it's called this in our family, um, but I call it that. It's the Kentucky goodbye. Anybody from Kentucky? Good, I can, I can riff on this one then. Okay. <clears throat> no, no, uh, it has nothing to do with Kentucky, but my, my grandma and grandpa lived in Kentucky uh, for years and years, and I grew up in Chicago, a nine-hour trip, and we'd go down there several times each summer to visit grandma and grandpa and Aunt Emma, um, and they were like 110 years old to me at that time, but it was a great time. We'd go down there for a few days at a time, and oftentimes it would be this family. Uh, we had a, a large extended family, and we'd all gather together, and, and we'd, just, we'd be together for two, three, four days at a time, and there were a couple barns and hay fields and a pony. So, you know, as kids, you're just... I'm in the barn, I'm getting dirty, I'm, you know, grabbing eggs from the chickens, and I'm riding the pony, I'm getting yelled at by grandma and grandpa, whatever, all this fun stuff, but it was a great time, right? So you had all this time together as a family, but then there was a point at which you had to say goodbye. You had to say farewell. 
And so we'd pile in our cars, and oftentimes, you know, we'd leave one family at a time. There was Uncle Dave, his family, and my Uncle Dick and his family, and, and my dad and our family, and so on. And, and so we'd pile in our cars, and, and we, would, uh, uh, we would begin the long journey home. But, but as we did that, we'd have our hankies ready, all right? We'd have, and this, um, uh, we'd have these things, we'd make sure we, we had a white towel in our hands, because then as we drove down the driveway, Grandpa's house was on top of the hill, we'd drive down the, this gravel driveway, we'd be waving, sticking our heads out the window, sticking our hands out the window, waving this thing, right? And, uh, and then we would go down, to, this is a frontage road, we'd travel down and we'd head back and we'd go down the two-lane highway that you could see, here's the back deck, and there's a rolling hill and some barns, and then you could see at some point the cars, uh, that, that would uh, go back towards, towards Owensboro and, and get on the highway. You'd be up and over this hill, and you could see people hanging their hankies out the window, right? And it was just, what a fun time. And we still do this. So if you were to see uh, my mom and dad and I, I know, <laughs> we, uh, you know, my mom and dad leave our house, or we leave my mom and dad's house, here come the hankies. It's just this tradition. And we'd stick our hands out our sunroofs, and we'd do this, and it's just... You do it until you can't see one another anymore. So you get this, you, know, you round the corner and you just keep her going. And so this is the, this Kentucky goodbye, this tradition, this, oh, this was great. And now we get to say, you know, have to say goodbye. And, and years later, I didn't know what, where this came from, but years later I discovered, hey, mom, where did the hanky thing come from? Well, you know, Aunt Emma, she would always have this hanky in her house coat and she'd you know, be doing this stuff. And, and then she'd just take it and wave it. So, well, so that... We still do it, though, even though it was icky. Um, so there's this Kentucky goodbye. I think about the college goodbyes. A lot of you as college parents uh, have sent your kids off to school, and, and we've done that now twice with our daughter, first semester, now second semester, and it's just... Uh, it's a different goodbye every time. This last time we traveled down to Milwaukee, we put uh, the girls, Trisha, or not Trisha, we didn't put you on the, on the plane. We put Jackie and Lauren and Jordan, went through the gate, and, and we watched them until they were just, just, we couldn't see them anymore walking through the crowd down, down the concourse. And there was this part of that that was just in the middle of the pain of separation after a great month of just being with one another and the mem making memories, there was this beautiful part of, oh, so good. There's pain, and yet it was so good. It was just goodbye. You didn't want to go, but you knew you had to. <clears throat> For some of us, we've experienced uh, funerals, and, and that's a type of goodbye that, that can be either broken or it can be beautiful. And, and even though there's always pain in, in the funeral and in this type of goodbye, I, I think some are beautiful. And recently, in the last couple of weeks, we had the opportunity as a church to serve a family who'd lost their 20-year-old son. And just in the middle of the grief and the pain and the agony and the questions, to me, there was this beautiful part of, look at the people that showed up. There was 1,300 or so folks that maybe had uh, come through, and there's a, a gym full of people celebrating the life of this young man who made a difference in the lives of so many. It was a beautiful farewell. There was laughter, and there were tears, and we celebrated the fact that this young man lived life. He got baptized right there in that, in that tank. <clears throat> what a cool thing to be able to celebrate him uh, through the pain and, and through the grief. But it was, it was beautiful. So those are goodbyes and, and farewells. And, and so, you know, one of the answers to this question, what does community look like? when people belong to one another, it's when people belong to one another, 
and community. It's hard to leave. You don't want to go. And you don't want to say goodbye, even if it's for a short time, even if it's for, hey, see you in three weeks back in Kentucky, or see you next semester when you come home from school, whatever it is, or if you, you just don't want to say goodbye. In the book of Acts, in our Bibles, uh, there are, there's um, uh, the uh, book of Acts, written by Luke, uh, recorded by Luke, physician, uh, recorded uh, the early church, and a lot of the, 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 the people involved, and a lot of the experiences involved in the local church, just as the, the church, the big C church, is forming after the death of Christ, and there's people coming to a saving knowledge of him, coming into relationship with him, and one of Paul's uh, his, his journeys around, uh, around his world were about sharing the love of Christ, sharing how Jesus impacted him, and he wanted to share that. So that's what he did. And there was this group of people in Ephesus that uh, he had spent three plus years with investing in them. And uh, so we have recorded uh, his words to them as he traveled to Jerusalem he, never, he didn't know if he was going to see them again. So, in effect, it's his parting words to this group that he had invested so much time in. So here's his words. Here, here's kind of the end the, the, of, the, the, of that journey between he and that group. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see him again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out the sea and sailed straight to Kos. And so you see here this picture, this farewell, there was, there was this beautiful farewell. In the middle of the pain, there was, uh, there was the weeping and the embracing and the kissing. But what grieved them most was the statement, they would never see him again. And, and you see there, we had torn ourselves away. So these words of, of tearing ourselves apart, a grief of embracing and kissing, and I got to wonder, so how did Paul live with these people that there was this farewell of such depth and such stirring emotion? You know, and I try to read between the lines there and I try to imagine them on the beach before Paul got onto the boat to travel. And just the, the emotion that they had felt because they were saying goodbye to a man who invested so much in them. And if you, would read for, if you would read previous to this time, and I won't read that today, but I encourage you to read that uh, today when you get home. Just check out Acts 20, and it'll kind of go through this, this in Paul's words, his farewell uh, speech to them. And you would see that Paul lived with humility, considering others better than, than himself. He lived with tears, this emotional investment with this group of people. They experienced trials together. They did life together, the, the, the pain and also the joy. They were together. He spoke truth to them. He spoke truth to them, even the hard stuff, because there's a lot of hard stuff to grasp and understand and to practice, isn't there, in our Bibles? And he told them the words of Jesus, even when they were difficult to hear and put into practice. He offered grace, however, at the same time, and he wanted something for them. He wanted something better for them. There's a better way out there, he was saying. He invested three years, as I said, took responsibility for himself, and most importantly, he pointed them towards Christ. It wasn't about, hey, look at me, Paul, I'm serving you, I'm serving the weak. He was saying, in effect, 
let us all focus on Christ, pushing towards Christ. So the answer to our question, when people belong to one another in community, when they're, when they're knitted together, they push each other towards Jesus with grace and humility and truth. I want that type of journey and, and that type of community, and, and um, I really want that. And I have that. There, the, we were a part of a small group uh, of folks who've been together for, I don't know, eight years or something, and just we've, uh, we've, we've been like this, and we've been like this and this, and we've seen, we've cried with one another, and we've, we've uh, been frustrated with one another, and we've challenged one another, and, and we're doing this life together. And I want that. I want more of that. People who are surrounding me to push me and focus me towards Christ, and I want to be to, uh, uh, to someone else. I want to be that. I want to belong to them in such a way that I challenge and encourage them with grace and truth and humility and they, me. But that's difficult. I don't know about for you, but that's difficult uh, for me to do for all sorts of reasons. I'll get into some of them here. But, um, so Troy watched One Direction <clears throat> uh, over the break and I watched a little bit different of a movie. One of my favorite movies Maybe more of a manly movie, I don't know. Uh, but it's uh, one of my favorite movies made out of one of my favorite books, and it's The Hobbit. Who's seen The Hobbit, uh, the first one anyway? Okay, quite a few of you. Good. Even if you haven't, that's okay, because I'm going to explain a few things. Because I thought, man, this movie, it, it, there's a certain scene in there that really touched me. And I don't know if you know anything about uh, Tolkien uh, and his faith uh, journey, but he was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, who you might be more familiar with, Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and he was also a fellow Christian. And, and so they, while they differed in how they approached and how they wrote about their, their, their faith, and, and some might say that Tolkien really didn't write about his faith, and C.S. Lewis did, but anyway, um, they, they were uh, contemporaries. And so there's this, there's this scene in the movie, The Hobbit, uh, that I relate to so much, because the main character, Bilbo, is me. I don't have hairy feet, um, and I'm not really short, but I can relate to him because of his reluctance to join on a journey. And so I want to set the stage for it. I'm going to talk you through this, this whole scene. Because remember, if you've seen the movie, and if you haven't, here's, here's how the, this particular scene went. At the beginning of the Hobbit movie, near the beginning, there's this scene where, where Bilbo is, is just, he's just sat down next to the fire. And he's got his plate of food, and, and he's about ready to, to, to start eating his plate of food, right? It's all quiet. Warm. I love my fireplace at home. I love to eat by it, watch the Hobbit by it you know, snuggled by it, whatever. So, but there's this, there, it's quiet, and it's safe and protected, when all of a sudden, it's a knock on the door. Well, he's not expecting anybody, so he goes, in, he goes to the door, opens it up. It's this dwarf that barges in, and oh, and he starts to demand uh, food and drink, and he acts as if Bilbo and he know one another, and Bilbo knows why he's here, but Bilbo, being the polite person that he is, all right, come on in, sit down, and I'll get you some food. And the guy starts eating Bilbo's, Bilbo's meal by the fire and everything. Well, pretty soon, there's another knock on the door, right? 
Bilbo opens the door again. Here's another dwarf. And so on and so forth. And there's these knocks on the doors, interrupting Bilbo's quiet and safe little, little time in his little hobbit hole. And pretty soon there's these dwarves, these like 13 dwarves, all, all, all making messes and eating his food and eating his drink and throwing around his mother's dishes and just creating general chaos and confusion. Cats and dogs sleeping together. Oh, just this, 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 this big chaotic scene, right? But pretty soon they get together around the table and... and, and Bilbo begins to understand that they're there for him to invite him on a journey, right? They invite him on this journey, and Bilbo's like, uh, uh, that's not me, and, and, but he's kind of leaning in, kind of waiting, but kind of, so at one point, they slap this contract to him, right? Remember that? Slap the contract to him, and he starts to read this contract, and he, it's the, the cost of going on this journey. What might happen to him because of this journey? The, the price that he might pay because of the journey. And what does he do? He faints. Remember that? Right out. And, and so I, I, uh, it's the scene right after that, that that really got me. Bilbo's sitting in his chair, and he's by this fire again. He's got his cup of coffee or whatever he's drinking. He's just, he's just kind of chilling out, and he, and he says this. I'll be all right. Just let me sit quietly for a moment. And what does Gandalf say, another character in the movie? He says, you've been sitting for far too long. Tell me, when did doilies in your mother's dishes become so important to you? Oh, man. That's me. Doilies and dishes. You see, I like to sit. I like to sit, and I like to evaluate opportunities and adventures and opportunities in front of me. I like to, to gather information. I'm an information gatherer, and if you know me, you know that about me. You know that I don't make decisions very quickly, if at all, um, but I can gather information for as long as you like, right? You know, and there's, there's I, I, um, you know, with, with uh, in all sorts of realms. So, you know, hiring, a number of years ago, Sue Herkman and I were, were hiring someone here at the church, and... We were going through this interview process, long interview process, and you know, several different interviews. And, and at the end of one interview, after we had asked the candidate to leave, I looked at the team and said, hey, we need just one more interview, right? I'm just, I gotta be sure. And, and she says, Pete, you have enough information, move on. We have your back, move on, right? I've done this with Sherry, uh, my wife. And it just in our courtship, she knew fairly quickly, um, and like the first date. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She's not here to, to you know, defend herself, but, um, but I didn't. I didn't know. I was, in, I was gathering information because I, I wanted to be, I wanted to make sure it was right. I didn't know. I was counting the cost of this relationship, and I was afraid. I was afraid, and, and I desired safety. I didn't feel ready, and I, so I relate to this. We did get married, by the way, and someone came up after this first service and said, looking for the ring, oh yeah, 21 years, we're good, so I did make a decision. So there's this interaction there between uh, Gandalf and the hobbit, and, and it goes on, and Gandalf says, I remember a young hobbit who was all, always off running in search of elves in the woods. He'd stay out late, come home after dark, trailing mud and twigs and fireflies. A young hobbit who would have liked nothing better to find out what was beyond the borders of the Shire. And he says this, the world is not in your books and maps, it's out there. He nods towards the window. Books and maps. Ugh, that's me. I, books and maps are for individuals, is for, and it's safe, right? Relationship is very risky, but 
Maps, very safe. Books, very safe because it's just you. It's just you and no one else. Out there is where a community is. Out there where the people are. Out there where adventures are had and lives are changed. Gandalf says, you'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you get back. And Bilbo, always wanting safety, Jack, can you promise that I will come back? Can you give me a promise? And he says, no, but if you do, you'll never be the same. You'll not be the same. In my MBA program, uh, I, I learned that there's this relationship in the financial realm between risk and reward. The more risk that you take, the more potential reward that you will have. I think the same thing is said in relationships. I think the more risk that you take in relationships, the more potential reward you're going to take. And there's no way that you can have a relationship without that risk. Your stories of life change only come when you risk. So that's so you think about the answer to our question, when, other people, when people belong to one another in community, when we're together, when we're interacting, there's risk. That's not safe. It should be safe. Sometimes it's safe, but it's not always safe. There's this risk involved. And I think for me, I think about the riskiness. There's a risk of personal exposure, and that is someone will find out how selfish I am, how prideful, how mean, how anxious, scared, lonely that I really am. I don't want that. There's a risk of change. The fact that once someone finds out, they might challenge me, encourage me to change and be different and be better. Man, I don't want to be better sometimes, <laughs> to be honest. Because that's, that's hard. There's also a risk of failure. What if I fail? I hate failing. I really do. All the dirty secrets are coming out this morning. I hate to fail. Two weeks ago, Troy talked about to grow means you have to have the opportunity to fail. Because without failure, that means you will not, you will not be sharpened. Without the risk of failure in this, in this action, in this uh, relationship, there's not an opportunity for growth. So what's on the opposite end of, of uh, this continuum, this relationship between uh, risk and reward? It's the reward, right? So we see that when people belong to one another, when we're truly engaged in doing life together and risking ourselves, there's blessings and benefits. You know, I think of benefits, I think of those things that are planned for. You know, you invest a certain amount of money and there's some sort of return, uh, sometimes guaranteed, other, other times not, but there's this known reward that you get and a benefit. But then there's also the blessings. And so when I think about this, this relationship in our stories and in community, there's, there are benefits that are known. You can expect there's certain things, fairly, you know, to, someone to, uh, when you get into a relationship, there's certain things you can expect, but there's certain things, blessings, that just come along just right when you need it and right at the right moment. I think a couple of good pictures of this come from Scripture. One is Ecclesiastes. Love Ecclesiastes. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good wisdom. Two are better than one because, if they, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What a great picture for us of the blessings and benefits of this idea of community, doing a life with one another. 
we get to share the load. And we get to bear one another's burdens. And that may not sound like a whole lot of fun until you're the one who needs some help. And you're the one who needs someone to help and share that with you. I love what it says here about falling down. If either one falls down. Now, the first thing I think about is physical, right? We trip and we have someone to fall, uh, someone next to us that can help us up. But, you know, beyond that, what does that look like? Well, for me, it's, it, it, I think of two things. One is this emotional falling down. This idea that, man, when I am down emotionally, I feel weak and I feel um, defeated and I feel uh, depressed and, and all these feelings of, oh, there's people that can pick me up and rally around me and love on me. And I just, you know, our, our small group that's been together again for about eight years, there was a time, and I think I've shared a little bit here before, but there was a time where I just, I was defeated, man. Just, he, he just, Engaging here, serving people for long periods of time is, is work, and it's hard work. And there's, there was this time at which I was just done. And, and they rallied around me, cried with me, laughed with me, supported me, challenged me. They didn't necessarily give me pat answers, but they gave me love and encouragement, and they picked me up. And then I also think about when you're down spiritually. You know, you think about when you have questions when things don't make sense, when, when, when you are just raging at God because there was an unfair and unjust in your mind something that happened, that's being down, isn't it? And when you're in community, you have the opportunity to have people surround you and say, you know what, that's okay, God can handle your anger. He knows, he knows all about disappointment and anger. And they've got the opportunity to rally around you and lift you up. There's also safety and protection. When you're in community, people can see what's coming. When you're, when you're unobjective, they can be objective. And they can kind of see what's coming down the road for you and encourage you and give you the heads up. Another good picture, I think, second good picture here is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And we've talked about this a number of times, and I'll read it again here. It's, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I think there's a word that I want to pull out of there. Because I think it, great, it, it describes a lot of what I felt when I've been in this relationship of community. And it's awe. Have you ever experienced awe? You know, I, I had the opportunity a couple times to go with uh, Joe Urkovich uh, to the Rocky Mountains. I'd never been there before. I'd seen the Smokies, which are grand and great and beautiful and just tremendous. But there's something about the Rockies. And, and, and it didn't really hit me until... I was on this trip with Joe, and we had the opportunity to go up into the park a little bit as far as we could. It was that time of year where you couldn't go up and over or whatever. But we were at this, at this little overpass, and I climbed up on this little escarpment thing, and I looked out over the Rocky Mountains. And if you've been there, you kind of get it. It almost sucked the breath out of me, you know? Oh, wow. The depths of the valleys and the heights of the mountains, and the sheer scope of how 
far and wide these things go. Unbelievable. Words almost can't express. And really, it's not, only, it's, it's not until you've been there and experienced that where you think, whoa. It's awe at the wonder and the unexplainability of it. And I think that, to me, is what community is about. It's a sense of, I can't believe you just did that for me. I can't believe the level of love and the level of of connection and acceptance. When I'm at my worst and my ugliest and meanest, all those nasty words, when I just don't feel anything, I have people that love and care and surround me and challenge me and encourage me. It's this awe. Our needs are met. You can... You can read in there. There's happiness. And I think more importantly, and most importantly, that last sentence, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I think in the midst of biblical community, in this Christian community, of believers together, there's an opportunity for us to grow. There's an opportunity for us to come into a saving relationship with Christ. There's an opportunity for us to grow in our, our relationship with Christ. Isn't that the end? It is. That's the end. That's the answer to the question. It's what does community look like? What's the end? It's that we get to know Jesus completely and fully. And we get to be with one another, supporting and loving and challenging. So, uh, you know, I I talked you through the movie clip, uh, but I thought, you know, I think to do it justice, you have to watch it. And regardless if you're into build, you know, hobbits or elves or whatever else, put that aside for a moment and, and put yourself into the story. And see, what do you feel when you're in that story? Do you relate to that character? So, guys, why don't you go ahead and, and play that. Please, we're off. It's just the usual summary of out-of-pocket expenses, time required, remuneration, funeral arrangements, so forth. Funeral arrangements? Oh. I cannot guarantee his safety. Understood. Nor will I be responsible for his fate. Agreed. Terms, cash on delivery, up to, but not exceeding one fourteenth of total profit, if any. Seems fair. Uh, present company <laughs> shall not be liable for injuries inflicted by or sustained as a consequence thereof, including, but not limited to, lacerations. Evisceration. Incineration. Oh, I am at the flesh off your bones in the blink of an eye. You're right, laddie. Huh? Yeah, I feel. <sighs> feel a bit faint. Think furnace with wings. Yeah, I, I need air. Flash of light, searing pain, then poof! You're nothing more than a pile of ash. <laughs> nope. Very helpful. I'll be all right. Just let me sit quietly for a moment. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. Tell me, when did Doyle's and your mother's dishes become so important to you? 
I remember a young hobbit who was always running off in search of elves in the woods. You'd stay out late. Come home after dark, trailing mud and twigs and fireflies. A young hobbit who would have liked nothing better than to find out what was beyond the borders of the Shire. The world is not in your books and maps. It's out there. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins of Bag End. You are also a Took. Did you know that your great-great-great-great-uncle Bullroarer Took was so large he could ride a real horse? Yes, well, he could. In the Battle of Green Fields, he charged the goblin ranks. He swung his club so hard it knocked the goblin king's head clean off and it sailed a hundred yards through the air and went down a rabbit hole. And thus the battle was won. And the game of golf invented at the same time. I do believe you made that up. Well, all good stories deserve embellishment. You'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? And if you do, you will not be the same. Hmm. So my question uh, is, have you been sitting for far too long? I, I think today, and I'd like to encourage you, that today is time to get up and be a part of this community. There's 400 plus of you that are in some sort of a group here at Community, as best we know. Last weekend, there was 1,100 plus of, of us that sat here and, and uh, as far as I know, aren't in some sort of community. Man, we've got a lot of room for you. There's a lot of groups for you. I can make more room for you. We're willing to make room because it's so important to do this. So important to be part of a group. Or have doilies in your mother's dishes become important to you? Yeah. I get so wrapped up in unimportant stuff. I really do. When what I need to remind myself of, and I remind myself of that today, and even just in thinking through and preparing for this message, I have to remind myself what really matters is who is on your right and who's on your left and who's in front of you and who's in back of you. That's what really makes a difference. That's eternal. The dishes and doilies, all that material stuff that we have and the worries of today, that stuff's gone. What's important and eternal are the people that are around you right now and in this room and your families and your friends that are around you. So I, could I encourage you that way? Could I encourage you to consider jumping in don't you want a tale or two to tell? Don't you want to have some stories? Don't you want to make a difference? Don't you want to get, don't you want to get loved on and be better in 365 than today? I do. I love that last line. Can't promise safety, right? Can't promise in groups here at Community Church that you will be always having a pleasant time. I can't promise that you'll always 
meet every week. I can't promise there'll be joy and happiness and jazz hands every week, all the time, right? What I can promise you, though, through the broken and through the beautiful experiences that you will have when you do jump into relationship and community is that you'll never be the same, that you will be different, and that is how your relationship, my relationship with Jesus has worked out in the middle of community because we have people who are doing the same thing. It's iron sharpens iron, the Proverbs say. So one man, woman sharpens another. We sharpen one another. And outside of a community, we become dull and lifeless and bored and protected. Ugh. Now, uh, normally on these, uh, after messages, we have the opportunity to, uh, to go into response time where we have communion and such, but today's a little different. And man, I, today is a day where we get to watch some people uh, get baptized. We get to watch some people who've said, man, I'm, I've taken the step forward, right? I've, got, I'm starting, I've started a journey in a relationship with Christ. I've said, Yes to Jesus. I've understood that Jesus lived and died and rose again for me. And they're saying and they're stating to all of us that, you know what? I've believed in him and not only do I believe in him, but I believe the promises that if I put my faith and trust in him, he will have life for me and have it abundantly. And he'll forgive my sins. And I will live for him Daily, So we have that opportunity today to be a part of that, to witness that. And, and so these baptisms are an opportunity for, for people to say, listen, here's what I've done. I've stepped out. I've made a decision. I've made a choice. I've, I've joined you in Christian community. And then we all get to cheer our heads off like, yes, and we get to sing songs together and cheer and clap. And, and so, you know, would you, would you stand with me and just kind of prepare yourselves and, uh, you know, I don't know how many, you know, maybe you'd not expected to come today to get baptized. Maybe it's your day to get baptized. But so, you know, you can come up. Uh, if you plan to get baptized uh, already, you've been a part of, of preparing for that. Why don't you come on up? But um, regardless of who comes up, we have a chance to sing and be together and, and have a chance uh, uh, that there's no more sitting. Celebrate with these folks and, and, uh, and sing together. So, Bobby.